In this episode, we're joined by Gavin Burke and Stephen Flood from Life Skills Academy to find out more about the essential life skills every child should have before they reach the age of 10. So how did the Life Skills Academy come about? So, well, myself and Gavin went to college together and we were doing a master's in primary school teaching and we were kind of chatting just about the kind of gaps in the education system that we were kind of studying. And Gavin um, would have brought up the life skills and how that the essential life skills should be kind of taught. And we kind of thought of different ways how to implement that. And one of the ways that we came up with was doing camps outside of school hours because um, during we're, we're both teachers. So during the Easter holidays, we do a camp and then during the summer holidays, we kind of do a camp. So it gives the kids the chances to that's how it kind of started and then kind of went from there. It's kind of built probably five years old now. Yeah. And what is, is there, is there a demand? Like, do you feel like parents are coming to you and they're kind of saying like, my kids are clueless and they need a bit of a steer in the essentials and I don't know if I'm teaching them the right things or maybe they're not even listening to me. Is your child restless this winter? If so, then try using a soothing Calpol vapor plug and nightlight, an electrical plug-in device that emits lavender and chamomile vapors to soothe and comfort babies and children, helping to promote clear and easy breathing for up to eight hours. The Calpol Night Vapor Plug and Nightlight is suitable for children from three months. Calpol Vapor Plug and Nightlight is an electrical device and non-medicine. Always read the label. I think even the name resonates. So when you say kind of life skills, it's like, geez, that makes sense. Because within the formal education system, the formal education system has been designed specifically so you can read, write and, you know, count. And like that, that is the historical, you know, that's, that's why it was created. Now obviously, it's got much better over time. But I think it, I think the name resonates. And then when you think about it, like, you know, you, you do want, you should, if you think about I'd love to be able to know how to defend myself physically to kind of know what the, what the story is. I'd, I'd love to know how to, to kind of survive in the wild if I needed to. I'd love to know how to kind of, you know, cook and do all that kind of stuff I need to. So I think there's that aspect to it. But also we kind of wrap it in the whole resilience and goal setting and taking responsibility for your stuff. So, for example, like if you come to the camp, then all the kids kind of get their own little goal setting book and it's so okay well what can I get out of this do you know what I mean it's not not sitting there having a teacher going now you need to know all about this it's okay well like you know will I be able to make this little whatever it is after this class is finished and and take it up oh yeah that actually that's pretty cool that I can do that so it's that side I think that I think resonates with the parents Mm. and the parents also said to us after the life skills academy they come in and they say the kids know the stuff in the kitchen. They're not using the kitchen as a pathway through anymore. They're interested. They know, they know what a ladle is and they'd be delighted. They wouldn't just be walking by and calling like a big spoon or something, do you know, that kind of way. So they know the, the ins and outs of the kitchen and they, they show a bit more interest afterwards. So, sorry. Uh, so, so, but we obviously have lots of questions. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but there are four kind of cornerstones to the Life Sk- Skills Academy, isn't there? Um, can you just tell us a bit more yeah, so the so the areas we look at would be there's sports, which is which is big because we kind of teach the kids. There's sports and leadership and teamwork. Kind of, they're they're kind of two life skills. The sports was started out as one, but uh, with with the areas we kind of branched it into two. So now there's sports development where they'll kind of learn coordination skills and games, and then there's another aspect, teamwork and leadership, where you'll get a chance to be a leader, you get a chance to be a follower, you get a chance to work as a team. Then we look at. Um, self-defense again that was another life skill that started out as one we branched it into the two so then there's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and then there's Krav Maga so they're both separate life skills again broken in then there's cookery which is a big one a standalone Um, then there's robotics and technology uh, which is another standalone first aid they would do the pediatric first aid on the mannequins and CPR and all those kind of things like that Um, and then there is Survival survival skills outdoor survival again how to like just Go out there yeah, and being be a comfortable, child. being comfortable yeah. outside, being able to just, you know what I mean, understanding like, oh, how do I catch if, if I wanted to catch something? How do I catch? You know, all, yeah. all that kind of cool stuff that it's you like kind of think. It's like very bear grills, like mini, oh, yeah. mini bear grills. You know, and, and <laughs> as, you know, it's kind of cute. I think as people, you kind of you do gravitate towards that kind of natural stuff, that grounded stuff. Do you mm. know what I mean? So well, like some people don't. You know, I'm thinking mm. of um, like my childhood girls. You know, and I'm like not being sexist mm-hmm. at all, but there are some girls who maybe I don't know what it is now but definitely felt kind of held back like they couldn't they they that wasn't for them yeah. um or that they couldn't be a leader especially in groups when there were boys and girls yeah. mm. Mm. and we do mix the groups that's yeah. one of the things we do work on and and we make sure that there is a mix between the boys and girls in the groups and and mm-hmm. as I said everyone gets a chance to be a leader so 
you step up and you kind of get the experience of it. I love that because, like, I again, I'm thinking back to my own childhood when, um, you know, you'd be put in groups and obviously the more dominant kids would come out and you would just fall back into that uh, follower role without getting the chance. And, you know, that follows you through your whole life then. And it is um, restrictive in some ways. So it's a, really, it's a really interesting point, right? Yeah. And I think, and if you want to even go again into the kind of the philosophy behind it, even the stuff that maybe should we should be looking at in schools is, I think that you become a follower to the degree that you're not doing something that inspires you. Mm-hmm. And you become a leader to the degree that you're doing something that inspires you. So for example, if we start structuring our stuff around rooting children in their inspiration, mm-hmm. so kind of going, spending so much time doing all these different life schools, so what, what interests you? Mm-hmm. And you'll suddenly maybe discover, okay, well, this bit, I actually do have a little bit of flair for. And then when you have a bit of flair for something, you become more resilient in it because you want to pursue the challenges of it. And when you pursue the challenges, it, you get more self-belief because you see more, then your confidence grows, then your leadership grows, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's, if it was me, I think there's w- if there's one core thing that we need to be able to do is, is basically root everyone in their inspiration. And I know it sa- might sound but corny, but it's not because everyone has a, an individual fingerprint, individual voice print, you know, and, and you have an individual, what they call a hierarchy of priority. It's, a called, it's an old subject called axiology. It's an old Greek subject and basically it's a study of human priorities and everyone has their own individual unique set of priorities. And when you're doing something that's high on your priority list, you, you have all of these cool, like you're more focused, you're most disciplined, most reliable. And when you're doing something that's low on your priority list, you become, you hesitate, you procrastinate, you, you frustrate. So if you don't understand that about yourself and if the education system doesn't understand that, then you can have a child that will be doing something that, or is doing something that doesn't inspire them and then will naturally get their, their focus will go their you know they'll become hesitant and they'll think oh I'm just that type of person but then if you try and put them into that area where they suddenly are geez I, there's something like this you know then the opposite will happen and they'll have a completely different picture of themselves and they'll identify with a completely different part of themselves and again that's what I suppose what we're trying to do is that's that's probably one of the biggest things is try root kids in their inspiration yeah. and it's not American <coughs> and it's, it is what to find out what intrinsically motivates the children and then in the area that they are most intrinsically motivated to succeed in they'll, sh- they'll demonstrate higher resilience they'll demonstrate different attributes that they thought they wouldn't have and if they realise with the variety that they get exposed to in the Life Skills Academy they'll find an area that that's, that's, that's the hope to find an area that intrinsically motivates them and then they can they can build from there and show the attributes. Maybe something that they never thought that they would. 100%. Exactly. Yeah. I love and, that. and does that spill into other parts of their lives? Like, have you, is there any research or have you even seen yourselves from like maybe past pupils of yours, if they're given these skills or kind of helped develop their innate skills early on in life, that it has a beneficial or positive effect later on in life? So the one uh, about a past people in the school, there's a couple of... Uh, um, examples where they kind of would come to the life skills they get exposed they, because we teach them how to set goals and those kind of things and taking responsibility for their learning and we give them little flashcards and they can write them down if they're if they want to and they can put them in their head if they want to but if people have gone back to say competitive swimming they would have left it because they felt a little bit directionless they came to the life skills academy they learned more about themselves in it they knew how to set goals they knew then what they needed to do and then they went back into competitive swimming so th- that was one example that i can think of just off the top of my head so but even as well i know when the guys i think went home and cooked his whole family like you know a, a three-course meal after now i look i know that would be my pride yeah. you know <laughs> <what I> mean? <laughs> yeah. and again look this is not i suppose look again i think when you come back to so to, to answer your question i think I think once the peop- once the children understand what it is that they're into, then and they understand that they're not a stupid child or they're not a br- you know that kind of way, then they then they can use that these skills that you're talking about in areas that they that they love doing. And I think that's kind of again that's how you kind of keep the growing. That's how they keep evolving, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. It's funny though, going back to like my childhood as well, or like you know early childhood. I think I was like put into the not good at sport box very early on, and then I think I'm actually not very good at sport but at the same time I didn't even try and find a sport that I liked and I think you know when and I went to um, all girls schools the whole way up um, so you know it wasn't even like a male female thing it was yeah. with it with with other girls but I think yeah if there was something that maybe would have like piqued my interest it might maybe would have changed my whole mindset towards it because I think in later life like I actually really like exercising now but as a child mm. I didn't because it had that whole kind of like stressful nearly like anxiety driven um competitiveness to it I was and like that too and you'd feel embarrassed when embarrassed, you weren't good yeah. at it but yeah. it's really interesting so for example so just f- on your question there so what did you feel you missed out on or did, did you feel that did you feel that 
oh I wasn't a competitive did you feel like oh I'm not competitive or yeah probably and I think I actually am quite competitive in other areas of my life in other areas because the areas that that I'm good at and you're interested in and you're intrinsically motivated in you'll show those characteristics elsewhere and even teamwork I think that's such an interesting one because I suppose you know as a an adult especially if you're working in a kind of a team environment teamwork is such an important element of what you do and and kind of succeeding um and if you don't play team sports you know you might not have that kind of grounding or or background that kind of gives you a little bit of an indication as to how you work in a team later on in life yeah 100 percent. so yeah no that's it's really interesting and again if you lose out on that experience when you're young for whatever reason being that you're thrown into like a highly competitive you know what i mean it was hockey Ju- i was just really bad at hockey <laughs> well i'm a hockey coach as well so Are you? I, okay. I and i'm tall so people just wrongly presume that you're good at sports you know if you're like tall i was like yeah. i look like bambi when i'm trying to run it's just a disaster yeah um but sorry i interrupted you there with my confession <laughs> no, i'll give a shout out to the kenny ladies who just did the double this year <laughs> Um, but I suppose moving away from sport, because um, obviously that is one part of what you do. I think for me, I think cooking and domestic skills are really interesting because in my home life, um, I actually grew up in a family where my dad and my brother consequentially were very involved. I'm very good at kind of dividing like the housework and, yeah. you know, kind of no stranger to cleaning or cooking or whatever. My brother's actually an amazing cook and he does Christmas dinner every year. So it's not even, you know, that it's kind of um, gendered. But then within my own family, you know, as a mum of a girl and a boy, I want to ensure that it's a very even 50-50 split um, as they're growing up, you know, how do you teach that? Like, is it that you just get them to kind of, do you show lead by example? Unfortunately, me leading by example is that I actually do more of the domestic stuff at home. Well, c- so can I, I give you my take on it, right? And yeah. Again, this is just be from, from my understanding of it. I think there's two elements to that. Number one is the actual belief that you have the skill and that it's not, if you see someone making something that that's not a million miles away for you to be able to do that. So it's actually quite, quite close that the skill is not unre- like, it's not unrealistic to be able to have that within a couple of whatever, you know. But then the second thing is wanting to use the skill. So, for example, to the degree that I think our children, I'll just speak for myself, the degree to which I see me wanting to cook, I will only do it if I kind of go, well, let's just say I'm, I'm big into sport or I'm an athlete or something like that. And I go, well, I, this is my life. I'm, I, you know, I'm, 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 I want to be the best sportsman I can be. And then nutrition obviously becomes a big part of that. So the degree that I link that in my brain is the degree to which I will want to use the skill that will get me there. But if I see no link between my own mission, if I want to use those words, my own purpose, and the skill I'm being asked to do, I won't do it because it'll just be very low on my priority list. And there's nothing you can make me do that's going to change that. It's just the way we're built. Like it's kind of like at home, maybe the division of labor. I can just speak for how it works in my house. I know we were speaking earlier about if let's just even take the tidiness around the place for me i don't see how being outrageously tidy around the house is benefiting me in my mission of teaching and coaching <laughs> but if i was being able to if 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 i was wise enough to go link it up and say well if i did this then i would you know i get i would be i would spend less time maybe fighting about it or whatever and you know whatever i was about to say how does your wife feel yeah. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> yes, what's her take on this yeah but it's, so but that's the thing but if i was able to kind of link up going how would me being tidy benefit me in the areas that I value then I'm going to be intrinsically motivated to do it other than that I'm going to have to be extrinsically motivated meaning someone's going if you do this I will give you that yeah. which is the lowest form of of let's call it coercion if for want of a better word Does I rely heavily yeah. <laughs> see for me I, I'd be organised I'd be an organised person and I feel that I can link the organisation at home to the organisation in work so I'm the acting principal of Monkstown Park Junior School at the moment and I need to be organised I need to have things in my classroom be organised the office is organized and I link that being organized at home helps me be organized at work. I'm like that. I feel like if I've made my bed yeah, and then everything kind the of like the kitchen's t- like yeah. I, I managed to unload the dishwasher the night before, like all those kind of things, they help me yeah. get in, like in we're getting gear here. for like the this day. Like <laughs> Jenny's saying the but first thing, you make like your bed in the morning. When <laughs> I walk down the stairs in the morning and the, and the sitting room that I see is clean and tidy, yeah. I'm set up for the day. But if it's the same way I left it when my husband was watching TV when I went to bed and it's like Fionn's toys plates yeah, yeah. and then mm. like a plate and a cup somewhere, I get so annoyed. <laughs> and like, so my question is... Yes, um, is there a question? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, there is. Um, you know, it, it's going back to this sort of the male-female, mother-father roles yeah. that we're traditionally grew up with. 
Um, I mean, is it kind of part of your mission in the Life Skills Academy to sort of equalize things, to make women or, you know, girls and boys realize that these roles shouldn't be gendered like I'm not saying you have to teach somebody to be tidy Mm -hmm. but to maybe encourage them that it's going to be nice uh, to harmonize the family um I don't know I mean just like look after your own stuff yeah well can I I, I, I answer that in a simple one Mm -hmm. no it's not our mission okay but let me answer why because I don't think you can make I think it's a lovely I think it'd be lovely if you were able to do that but I think it's and I don't think it's anything got to do with you know men do this and women do that but it's to the degree that each peop- each person in the in the family relationship sees it serves their mission, the thing that's most meaningful for them. Otherwise, you will get you know this. You will get conflict. If I do not see it's meaningful for me to do this, you will have to externally motivate motivate me to do it. But it's hard either way. So we can either spend the time linking up and s- making making me say how meaningful it is to do this stuff, or we can fight about it. Both are difficult, but one is more harmonious and one more is kind of more fluid the other one is kind of more conflict so i think in terms of your question again i think the first thing is if we can root everyone in their own inspiration and understand that okay this is what i love doing then once i know what i love doing then i can go about going okay there's stuff i don't like doing but it's still obviously important to the people around me that love me then how can i link up that to the stuff that i love so it makes me more intrinsically motivated to do that otherwise like you'll see from the dawn of time you will just get conflict and we can should each other all we want you should do that and i'm sure like your husband or partner can come around and say well you should do this you don't do this you don't do this and the reason you don't do it is because you don't feel it's meaningful for you to in your old journey mm-hmm. and and i think i think that is the biggest thing that we can take out of this so instead of shooting people find out what they love go link up what they love to the thing that you would love them to do that's that would be my take on it i don't know if you'd agree or disagree with that well i mean i'm just thinking now that i complain about my husband not cleaning up and tidying but he does all the cooking in our house and I do barely any like even if it's sort of my turn my husband will just sort of yeah. end up yeah. doing it anyway and you know that's my no I mean I suppose it is a failing because I was no, not I think that's in kind of equal I wasn't in but I have to do all the cleaning up that I don't like doing either anyway just on that particular point so and the reason you do it I would suggest is because maybe and the reason you do do that cleaning is because maybe the I don't I don't want to put words in your mouth but is, is family meaningful like what what do you find meaningful obviously no one finds cleaning meaningful that's not what I'm trying to say but for example if I go and if I'm big into hockey and I go clean my my gear and I clean my I don't find that but it I feel that would it helps me you know do what I love doing better well, yeah so and the end result is obviously nice I like being in a clean and tidy environment yeah. you know which helps the family flow which yeah. helps the relationships flow which helps the creativity flow etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's it can mm. you can link it to quite me- deep and meaningful things if you get what I'm yeah. saying but I do wish that I was more um helpful in the kitchen but I was never interested to home ec and this is like going back far back to school again when I didn't want to do it because I think it was sort of a pseudo-feminist type uh, idea I had in my head that like so I went to all-girls school as well so there wasn't any uh, most people did do homework but I was just like no I'm not going to do that and I prefer to do something else I went to an all-boys school and I actually did homework yeah. For junior Which research. it's probably unusual, is it? Like a lot there of boys' schools don't offer home ec. No, do I, they? I can't speak on now, but at the, at the time it was a subject choice. It was up like you chose between business and uh, home ec and those kind of subject choices, and it was one of the subject choices. And the, the class wouldn't have been empty; like there would have been thirty odd in the class. Really? Yeah. Like and I that was didn't the sewing and the yeah. cooking and that, that kind of stuff. But I didn't do home ec either, um, and. I feel like I kind of like I like cooking and I, you know, I'm domesticated to a certain extent, but there's stuff like, you know, how to change a plug. Like, I'd love yeah. to know how to do that for myself <laughs> yeah. or even like, you know, how to clean the filter in my washing machine. You know, like yeah. stuff that obviously nowadays you actually can YouTube it. Yeah. Um, and like in the like, you know, early 2000s when I was in school or late 90s, like we didn't have YouTube. So you just had to learn this stuff in school. But, you know, I kind of think like. I, I think home ec should be a compulsory subject totally. and I think it should be rebranded as something that because I do think what Miriam's saying is true like home ec it does have kind of old fashioned connotations yeah, I didn't yeah. want to be the housewife or the yeah. you yeah. know mammy yeah, yeah. Get that complete, but it's not even an option in primary school we're both primary school yeah. teachers yeah. and it's, it, it wouldn't and even it be start from there, really. and potentially 
could start in mm. a primary school setting where they get again find the avenues so like they, they'll discover cookery and things like that and the life skills if you know they're kind of mm. way they'll come to the camp and do that but like in school if part of the education system that could be a start if you're looking to but i mean if you even look at it in the terms of what like practicality why is why is learning about Fionn McCool more practical than learning how to make something for you to eat? Like, mm. so why do we rate history and geography more so than being able to feed and create a healthy body and a healthy mind? So there's kind of those kind of questions that why isn't it? And uh, just even speaking from our experience in the Life Skills Academy, like the guys love the cooking. Oh, it's like they love it. And it's not amazing. even a question. Like it's not like, oh, oh do there's none of that. It's like they love being able to go in and make the few bits and pieces and come home and go, oh, look what I did here. And so and there's no, and it's no division. I don't think it's like, it's not of a girl boy thing. They just, they love it. Yeah, exactly. Girl, and know? it's just, the, they love the experience and everyone would get joy out of the cookery. It's and actually they love one of the most, it. yeah, it's actually one of the most popular life skills out of the whole, out of the whole thing. And we'd, we'd send the parents home uh, a recipe book and then the kids would be, making food at home for them and we get the pictures in and stuff like that so as it wouldn't be a gender thing at all everyone just co- like really really loves the cooking life skill they go in they're excited they have their aprons on they get told knife skills and yeah you have kids coming out and plasters every <laughs> couple well, this of is one thing, or two yeah, things but yeah, that's part of it that's part of it that's what I was going to say like do you find maybe it's parents are a little bit like we've kind of talked about helicopter parenting a little bit before and you know I obviously want my kids to like learn and make mistakes and stuff but do you mm. think a lot of parents are just scared, like they're they're worried that if they let their kids loose in the kitchen, that they're going to burn themselves or cut themselves, and it's maybe. that kind of maybe mentality. Or is the mentality that them. it's easier if I do it could be a, yeah. a mentality, and that's that is true, but it's not any lessons for the children to do, you know. Um, and like I, I, I'll be honest, at the start of the life skills, there, there's these companies that do like they're like knives that are safe knives that the kids might not cut themselves and all this kind of stuff, but we just have to give them the experience of what it's really like and. Mm. Uh, cuts bumps and bruises like as i said but no one's but left, lost a finger yet yeah they? no no it's <laughs> all yet. safe like it's just uh <laughs> but like, even a child learning like even my little boy at home milo uh, he's nine months old but he's crawling and nearly walking now and he's bumping his head and he has to make those mistakes he needs to know that he used to be able to kind of pull himself up at the underneath the dining room table but now he pulls himself and hits his head but yeah. he needs to know that yeah. he can't do that anymore so learning through failure is is, is big one as well you know yeah. i think no, i for that too Mm. It is an interesting point, though, you made about, like, even the t- probably the time is an issue because, like, you we all would probably love to have the kids messing around at home and not minding if they throw stuff mm. and play, but then who's to clean it up and then someone has to get... You know, so maybe the, t- the fact that no one really has any time anymore mm. is a big issue, you know? That's even how I feel about Play-Doh. Like <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> like, my daughter absolutely loves Play-Doh, but it's the messiest, most annoying thing in the world. So, like, we <laughs> give it to her yeah. and you just know you're, like, going to be picking it out of things and, exactly. you know... But um, that's why I feel like I'm being very selfless parent. I'm like, fine, you can have the Play-Doh. <laughs> um, but I think for me, like I, I do kind of tend to fall into that kind of thing of um, like the Irish mammy where it's like, I'll do it myself. And nearly like, I think I, I'll do it better, which I know is such a like nearly an arrogant way to look at it. But it's just kind of like probably preventing my kids from like, well, they're still very small, but like learning how to do things themselves. Like, is kind of relinquishing control a, a big part of it as parents, you know, that you're kind of, not that you don't want your kids to, to have independence and you want them to still be dependent on you, but is, is that a thing, like kind of just a naturally, like letting them go, letting them grow and kind of giving them a little bit of independence? I think, I think we do stuff. So there's a be, again, my, even in coaching, be it parenting, be it coaching, be it teaching, the degree to which, like if we're going to do an action, so if it's pick up something after your child, the degree to which you believe to yeah. pay for the food or whatever it is. Well, I like <coughs> the idea of, you know, sending my child to Life Skills Academy yeah. so that, you know, you can do it. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> but the reality of the situation is you're you're right. You would do it better and you would do it quicker and you would do it more efficiently, but it's not a that's not a learning opportunity for any child or any kind of student like that. Like But that's the thing, isn't it? Like time yeah. is such a, you, a, a hard, is. precious yeah, thing. Yeah. Uh, like especially if you're working outside of the home Completely, as yeah. a parent. Um 
And like I think that's as well. Sometimes you just kind of feel like you're nearly your kids are getting like the worst version of you, and you come home from work and you're so tired, and you're just trying to get the dinner on the table. You're trying to get them yeah. fed, bathed, and b- in and bed. Get the boxes ticked. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then when you have free time, you know you want to be doing something fun or going out, and there's not yeah all that time to be yeah teaching. I Everything's suppose. busy. Yeah. 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 Everything's very busy. So I suppose you know for for parents who are listening and they kind of want to um, start kind of giving their kids tools, like even from a very young age. So obviously the kids that you have at the Life Skills Academy are primary school age. Yeah, you know, both for like actually this it goes from seven to fourteen. Okay, um, but for like even like toddlers, say, mm. um, like I have a toddler and I'm trying to teach her you know how to do things like brushing teeth that's a big one like oh, i think yeah. she won't have a tooth left in her head <laughs> because her idea of brushing and mine are very different yeah. um <laughs> but of course she insists on doing it herself and um, you know like what are the small little kind of things that you can start doing to kind of even get your kids into that mindset that they're kind of nearly like personal accountability which i know sounds mad for toddlers but you know yeah but even something like feeding themselves like i'm sure like when they get a bit older you know that if you spoon fed them all the time there wouldn't be much of a mess but if you give them the opportunity to feed themselves there's going to be a mess but even like it'll get better and better those kind of things like giving them the platform to succeed and pick out the positives during that will work 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 very well i think what you said earlier actually as well about you know the your toddler banging their heads all over the place and arms and legs i left yon just loose basically when he was learning how to crawl and walk and some people are looking at me like what the hell he's gonna yeah. fall he's gonna yeah. bang his head and i did have that mindset as well i wasn't being like just lazy mm. yeah. um i wanted him to learn and he did you know i could see him learning like being able to avoid the corner next time even when he was yeah 10 months old and it's kind of cool to see actually but yeah i mean hopefully it was a step for him to be but i'd say it was because that's again it's yeah. independent discovery if you know the kind of yeah. way, so. so you can start at a very young age really and with the baby led weaning type um formula as well now I, now that I, I find that terrifying I actually couldn't I, I have such a choking phobia that I just oh, yeah. like yeah. even now the, the one year old like feeding himself I'm like on tender hooks <laughs> watching him like he's probably like what is she staring at like I'm giving him food <laughs> issues um, but yeah I find the whole thing ter- like peas and corn terrifying oh, that's really, yeah no you're yeah. dead right that's, I'd be like again just in my own experience like Jenny would be so good at that part of it whereas I'm looking at him with something like that and I'm like he's going to choke yeah. <laughs> whereas I let him smash his head off the ground a couple yeah. of times Jenny would be picking up where it's, it's funny yeah. you say that because yeah. I'd be very nervous around that type of yeah. stuff and she's yeah no this is just all part of it you know and do the do the um Kids doing the life skills learn first aid as well, and talking about choking. Like yeah, I know, yeah. I really just yes. need to do the first aid course. <laughs> yeah, no, they do. They learn um, a few things. They've done Heimlich maneuvers. If there's people choking, if there's kids choking, if there's adults choking, they d- and then CPR, and then emergency numbers and what to call and um, kind of what what to look for in a room if there's an emergency and that kind of stuff. I think that's even amazing because anxiety is such a big issue for children nowadays, and like. I think anxiety didn't exist when I was a child or a teenager. Um, and I definitely would have had it. Like I used to think in hindsight, I used to have panic attacks around the time of my junior search mm. and I just didn't, ha- there was no name for them. So I, I was like, mean, yeah. I just sometimes feel really like my heart's beating really fast. Um, but I think as well, like it's if you don't have skills or you don't know what to do, like yeah. if you have options of like, if this happens, maybe I can try yeah, X, Y, and Z. Yeah. yeah, like it can actually instill a, a, a confidence in someone that, yeah. you know, they know what to do in stressful situations. Mm. But I think it is interesting because even going back to my own childhood, like my dad, and it's funny seeing him with the two kids, they're his only grandchildren. Um, like he's very cautious, like the banging the head. So Theo, my son, is just trying to like, well, he's kind of like pulling himself up and shuffling along things and mm. obviously falling and like whacking his head into things and stuff. And I'm taking that approach of he's going to figure it out himself. But my dad is like, <gasps> you know, yeah. watch that child. Yeah. And I think that's how I grew up, kind of very cautious and kind of, you know, not like not allowed to make the mistakes, but mm. you know, I think that's probably, and even going back to the, like the, the not being sporty, I think I, w- I was quite a hesitant child, you know, like I didn't have that kind of yeah. confidence in my own like movement or whatever. Um, so sorry, this is turning into no, a but it, No, but I, no, they, I all, they all do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just no, spilling it, is, it all out here. <laughs> it, is fa- it is actually really interesting about like the first aid when you, d- when you do think about it, like, cause it is such a fundamental, like it's such a re- it's you probably can't get any more of like a a moment if somebody starts having a choking experience in front of you or if someone really hurts himself in front of you like as a human being you're s- like we're completely empathetic to others in trouble in front of our eyes so to be able 
to be able to do something about that should uh, as humans should kind of be a second nature to us do you know what i mean so when you think about it it's it's really it's crazy That's that really it's important. we don't all but not all grounded yeah, knowing the numbers for emergency um, contacts is so important yeah. as well. You know, you think kids look up to the adult in the room as being obviously the leader because that's what we're naturally taught. But sometimes things happen yeah. and to yeah. that leader in the room and yeah. who's going to take charge? I mean, just for these children having those tools and, you know, as you said earlier, for peace of mind and not to be shocked and not to go Completely. into, you know, Completely. shock. Yeah. So you touched on tech and robotics. What does that entail? Because I actually didn't realize it was a robotic element of the, the Life Skills Academy. I suppose it's, it's again, I mean, I speak for myself that like I wouldn't have been, I'm not grounded in that area at all. I don't, I don't know anything about it. I was never exposed to it. My parents were never into it. But that's not to say had I not been exposed to it by experts. I suppose the biggest thing here is that everyone that teaches is an expert and they love what they're doing. So there's no point in being teach, taught something by someone who's not really in, into it. But so with us, we have um, Spain. What's Spain? Spain Hughes. Spain Hughes. She's f she's so passionate about it, and it gives everyone a grounding in it, understanding it. See the see how a battery works. See how you can create a little robot from nothing, and like that's pretty cool. No, it is cool when you see it being done in front of your eyes, where you have nothing. You have a load of just random parts, and then suddenly you have this little robot that's scribbling around the place. Yeah, she did this thing called Scribblebots, where they they made a little robot that was attached to uh, like like the legs of it were markers. And then you applied code to it from a laptop into that and it would move and then it would create this design on a page. And kids are coming in, with, like they were looking at little wires and as, as Gavin said there, a load of different useless parts. But learning how to put them all together to create something that was like a robotic thing is really, really, really cool. Like That's like the next generation of like fintech <laughs> startup or yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a really enjoyable, yeah. really enjoyable <laughs> life skill because again, it's, it's so just cool. different in the variety they get. And, uh, and, as, and as Gavin touched on there, we're, we're all talking about how find out what intrinsically motivates you to do better but every one of our staff members every one of the professionals are intrinsically motivated to this so the energy and the buzz of their teaching filters into the kids like you, you know yourself and even as an educator um the things i'm interested in i'm more i'd be more excited to teach mm. do you know the kind of way I know? that would rub off and then the people have their favorite maths teacher because their favorite maths teacher in school you can think of some of your favorite primary school teacher in school come to mind just because of that energy and yeah. that kind of pushes and that kind it. of enthusiasm is infectious. Really yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. So then the tech side of things, like, do you feel like that's like teaching? Because I think screen time is one issue, mm -hmm. obviously. Um, and I've totally moved away. I used to be very heavily reliant on cartoons to kind of be like a babysitter, essentially. Know, yeah. um, but I've now moved away from it because I've noticed a hugely positive effect with that, with my daughter not having screen time. Like her mood is completely different. Um, mm. And it's actually reduced the amount of tantrums she has. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I've heard these things, yeah. Like I, cause I was reading about it and it reduces, it basically like the blue light and, and everything else, it, it increases their stress hormones. And if you okay. obviously reduce that or remove mm. it entirely, it just kind of regulates the whole thing. Um, so that's one side of things. And it's obviously great to get kids away from screens, you know, um, as their primary entertainment or stimulation. But... Do you teach anything about, you know, being careful on the internet or, you know, just being conscious of like that there's, it can be a dark and dangerous place um, and unsupervised, it can be, you know, really detrimental to a child? I think it's one of those ones that, just to go back to your first point on it, um, you know, what they, what they say, a sword can be used to save or to kill. And I think it's understanding that technology is, you know, it has its place and it can be used for really good stuff and it can also be dangerous. So I suppose the more you understand a subject, the more you can make responsible decisions around it. The same as sport, the same as anything like sport can like my I'm crippled my hips are in bits from it. So you, people think it's healthy to be involved in sport. But do you know what I'm saying? Mm. So I think to answer your question, I think the more you understand a subject, the more you understand its pitfalls and its advantages. So that's how I suppose that's the approach we'd have. Um, yeah, no, I think it's really interesting because like, you know, I suppose, especially as teachers yourselves, like you probably see like, is there a, a divide even between the kids who do have phones and don't have phones, you know, like, and even what age they start having phones. Yeah. Like it's kind of like yeah, getting, younger getting younger and younger, younger isn't yeah. it? Absolutely. Yes, and yeah. it's, a, it's a really interesting point again. And it comes into the like, what are they using the phones for? Is it are, are they are they engaging in addictive behavior such as like? if it's just random scrolling through kind of 
you know what they say amygdala based stuff as mm. opposed to looking up stuff that that, that they're into like if mm. they're looking up stuff about like oh no how do i get better at this or how i get better at that or, or if they're in jujitsu and they're looking up all the different moves to me i'm okay with that mm. but if it's just randomly scrolling through like cats and monkeys and you know silly <laughs> no i'm not saying that you know what i'm saying though, yeah, those no, silly videos then i w- that's when i kind of go okay well that's probably not the behavior that we're looking to to encourage yeah yeah we did I have a guest on before whose um son was almost like kind of verging towards an addiction fortnight member oh yeah who had a kind of a wake-up call and they both did actually and um you know just had to nip it in the bud yeah. had to p- come back and they 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 had a, a, po- a point where it like it came to sort of a, an end point where it's like this is actually getting to be a problem um, luckily, you know, it didn't get to be the problem. But yeah, you something these games are so programmed to be so addictive. Yeah, they're literally programmed. Like you, th- these games and even the absence of a like Candy Crush and these type of games, they're all like stick in your mind and they do kind of prompt you to kind of go back to it. Could I make a point on that? Not to be contrarian here, but I, I feel the reason why some of these games are so let's call it appealing is that they're the kids see so much meaning in it. So take Fortnite. Fortnite is like there's so much thought gone into make the missions and how how like what what you can do and the teamwork element of it. So the kids are buying into it. They feel a purpose when they're playing it. It's not just that they're mindlessly kind of doing something that like a, like addictive. So I say they feel meaning when they're doing it. It's like I can adi- identify that. I used to play Championship Manager when I was younger. I loved it. I'd spend eight hours at it, but I I was I loved it. I got meaning from it, and it's kind of like if if they don't get meaning, if we can't create a situation outside of the computer that's meaningful for them, meaningful for them, that they get inspired about, your brain is a meaningful or a telus-seeking organ. It will go to the thing that it gets meaning from. And if we cannot give them meaning outside of that, they will seek that meaning from that. And that's what those games are designed to do. They're so clever. They understand that. Yeah, so there has to be a balance, really. Yeah, like, it, that's what it is. Yeah. And the other side of Fortnite is, if you look at it on the other side, they do get massive teamwork, their communication. We have a child in school that has really doesn't talk to anybody in the class, very, very quiet, but he plays Fortnite and he's made friends with people in the class that he would have never, like one really sporty guy that he would have never really made friends with beforehand through the teamwork, through the talking on. The, so there are, I think there are, we've, we have to be careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater, wa- if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. There are elements to it, so we just need to be careful. So I think people our age, um, our generation, are still a little bit kind of scared of the internet and, yeah. and, and the relationship the younger generations have with it, which, as you were kind of alluding to, can be can be good can yeah, be a good can thing be positive. whereas for us um we s- may see we only see the image of the child like staring at a exactly. screen exactly yeah. whereas there's there's more to it going on you know or yep. completely random we don't want them outsmarting you really because like you know i still remember you'd have to unplug your your house phone yeah. and then plug in the internet yeah. and listen to the dial-up tone yeah. and like your your house phone would be engaged while you're on like god knows what like an msn chat room or something yeah. and you know, yeah, and they were dark places. Yeah, they're, they're horrible <laughs> chat rooms. Chat rooms were mad, um, yeah. but uh, also incredibly exciting when you were 13 yeah. or 14. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think it's now thinking that like, you know, you're like, I know like my three-year-old is a whiz at YouTube and she like can navigate her way around it. You'll put on one thing and within 30 seconds, yeah. she's on something completely out different. Yeah. And, you know, is like knows to even can find the videos that she likes, yeah. which is completely bizarre. So it's that thing of like, if she can work YouTube when she's three, like what is going to happen when she's 13? You know, that like I would have no clue. I'll yeah. be completely naive. Yeah. So that's why I'm just saying, no, no more well. phones. Yeah. Uh, keep her in the dark. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so kind of going back to the the, the skills and um, everything else, like it, is it ever too um, young to start? So toddlers, you can start with the feeding and everything else. And um, then kind of going into like, you know, young primary school age like what kind of little kind of skills and tips can can parents do um with their kids at home um in in what context like if if they're trying to teach them kind of independence or teamwork even within the family setting yeah i think is it cooking a meal together is it you know you you kind of giving them the instructions and letting them do it and kind of supervising or should you make it into a play type scenario or just be matter of fact life about it or like chore charts you know yeah. like what's what's a good way to make it like fun 
I know a chore chart doesn't sound very fun, but you know, what's what's a good way to try and implement some kind of skills within the home and um, kind of get everyone on board? Uh, yeah, I guess again, I'm I'm going to give my opinion on this. I suppose the, the gr- maybe creating those little games around it where the c- child feels it's meaningful, meaningful them for the student not to harp back to that, but that's yeah. probably what it is. And if a reward system. Yeah. Well, if, and if they because if they feel they're only doing it because you're telling them to do it, then it just creates that. Oh, it's kind of like I'm only doing it because my mom wants me to do it. Whereas if we can, and it's again, it requires effort to come up with these like these games to kind of get them to buy in. Mm. It's easier just tell them to do it because yeah. you need to do it. Yeah. Do you know that kind of way? But you know, if it was easy, then everyone would be doing it. So I do think it's again coming back to being inventive with the games. How can they make it meaningful for them to want to cook you a little dinner? Um, and again, giving them the platform to be independent as well is so important because they need that time. As we know, it's short. Short. Everyone has kind of it's busy lifestyles and stuff. But giving them the time to be to be independent to discover ways and techniques themselves. It is really interesting though. Like I remember even a silly little thing that I did, and people probably think I'm mad with it. But I remember when Ben was young, in my head, I didn't want to even give him the food into his mouth. I just put it a little bit away from him and make him come and get it. <laughs> That's <laughs> actually very clever. I but it, it might, maybe maybe some people will be appalled by it. But I just thought <laughs> that like he's now he's coming he's to come and get it as opposed to just sitting there with his mouth open and being shoveled into yeah. it. So I think, and I don't know, a little, again, if it was easy, we'd all be doing it, but it's just to be as inventive as you can and get them to see meaning in it. And but rewards do work. I was about to say, so rewards, <laughs> like that's the thing, because yeah. I always feel like, uh, like half of me feels like it's a bribe rather than a reward, you yeah. know, that you're yeah. kind of going like, if you do this, I will give you that. Um, but do you think that reward kind of charts or kind of setting goals works? Is that kind of a good way to look at it's it? A, I, I think it's, a, I love this area. I think it's a really interesting area. I think the degree to which a reward is relied on uh, is robbing the child of, and I say robbing us, robbing, robbing us all, not just the children. Um, uh, it's basically taking us away from what it is that we really want to do. Um, so what they always say is the, the, the more you need an external motivator to do something is the less you really want to do it. So for example, if you're only doing work because you get paid lots of money, that is, an, that is the, the external motivator. So, Look, words 100% of the place. We all use them, but I think we should really understand the, the pros and cons of them. But um, also, another big thing is uh, praising the process and not praising the end result. Because if you're, there's an example, if you call a child a clever child, they did a study on this and say that you're a clever child. So they gave these group of kids um, the same exam and said, uh, well, you do this exam here. And um, then someone got 8 out of 10. They said, you're very clever. You got 8 out of 10. And then they gave the other, whoever got 8 out of 10, the other thing they said, oh, you're very hardworking. And then they said to the clever child, would you like to do a harder test? And the clever child was like, no, I'm clever now. But the hardworking child would always be hardworking. So they took the, and they might only got two and three, but it didn't define them. It wasn't like, okay, now I'll always be hardworking. I worked really hard on that. Yes, I got two out of 10, but I still worked hard. But the clever child never got their... It's called the dangers of positive labeling. Oh dear, I think I'm um, guilty of that. No, but so I do but like the rewards. Definitely the reward. hard not to. Yeah, no, yeah. Your child's yeah. the cutest child ever. Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the rewards definitely look 100%. There's a place and we all use them. Yeah. And it is a tactic. Mm. And it is coercion. And it does work. And it, yeah, and <laughs> it does work. And it does work. But just, again, it's just one of those ones that we all need to understand that it can, that's not the end result. We want people to be doing them because they want to do it for their own reason, not because they're going to get something that they like after. But that's interesting even because I think there's this kind of whole thing of like the snowflake generation and that Gen Z are kind of entitled and that they only do, you know, or even like talking about um, the workforce. Like there's, you know, statistically, I think Gen Z job hop far more and quicker than previous generations because I suppose they do kind of have that external or the internal motivation of I want to be happy and I want to be fulfilled and I want to feel like what I'm doing means something that I think, you know, I don't have. I, you know, I like was kind of look. I I was looking at work of like, please Mm. give me this job. I will work hard for you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a completely different mindset. I think Um, it's a really interesting point. And I guess just even clarify what I mean, because it is a it is a trap, I think, in and of itself. It's not about liking something in the moment it's about kind of having a long-term goal that you feel is meaningful 
is meaningful to you. So like, for example, if someone is job hopping quite a bit, maybe that's because they're only looking for pleasure in the moment, meaning pleasure and no pain. Whereas if you engage in something, you think about well, what is it that I really want to dedicate my life to? Then you're able to embra embrace the pain and the pleasure in that moment. And that, that, that long-term goal or mission will pull you through the, let's call it the pains of the moment. And I suppose that's really, I suppose for me, that's the key is to be able to ground you in something that's long term and meaningful for you. And you want to go, do you know what? I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice my time. I'm willing to sacrifice my body. I'm willing to sacrifice whatever I need to do because this is meaningful. And this is why I'm here. If it's motivating you and you're more likely to be more resilient in that area. So it's not about seeking pleasure in the moment. <coughs> I think that's that's a really important thing to say. And where you were kind of saying before, because I think that's really interesting, like so if a child is, is interested in sport and then you kind of teach them that nutrition is a like a really beneficial component of their success, yeah. you know, is it, linking things. Is that a good way to go about it? That if you're finding that they're kind of resisting one element to try and kind of like work it into the thing that they are passionate I'd say about. I'd say it's the only way to do it okay. because if you just, that is, that is just the basic understanding of human behavior. To the degree to which you see something as meaningful for the, your long-term objectives is the degree to which you'll, you'll progress in that area. So for me, again, that plays into the external motivation, the internal stuff, that is the, the be all and end all is to be able to make that link. If it was easy, Everyone would do it. It is an art. It's okay the theory being known, it, but it definitely is an art form to be able to make that link. And that's the difficult yeah. part. And how do you like help a child cope with disappointment and um, a feeling of failure if they're going through this meaningful goal and they're stumbling along the way? Like I'm sure you even see in a short term um, form in the Life Skills uh, Academy when they're making something and it doesn't go to plan. And uh, like how how do you deal with that? Because I think everyone wants their child to be happy. We don't want them to feel like they've failed or anything like that. But obviously that is <coughs> part of it all. Yeah, there's two things. Like fe the fear of failure can either it can be take it both ways. It can either motivate you and you can like drive you on or it can like scare you away from trying it again kind of thing. So it's about, again, praising the process of what went right and to not be afraid to fail because if you're afraid to fail you might never try you might never start so it's um, giving them the platform to fail but making failing okay but there are some children i'm even like i'm thinking back to myself who would be just so devastated when something doesn't work the way they want it to be or they feel like or they kind of realize maybe they're actually not as good at the thing that they wanted to be good at like how do you cope with that so for for me again and I have my I have my own experience of this. I, I was I played tennis at a very long at a young age to, to a relatively high level. Um and when I think back on it, I hated the losing. I was afraid of losing. I, I broke I rackets thrown everywhere. But th I think there's two elements to it. Number one is again, this is not easy. It takes time. So if you go to the moment that the child didn't like or that they perceived all negative because they only don't like it because they perceive more negatives to positives if you get what I'm saying so if you can go to that moment and spend the time to stacking up and I don't want to say the positives but kind of okay what did you get out of this particular moment and this isn't like two or three or four little things this is understanding what they love doing and getting maybe 50 things like 50 to 60 links about how this moment is actually benefiting them in an area that um, that they want to get towards in the end and that does take time and it is a skill set but that's understanding how the brain works because when you look at it, it is just a perception and perceptions can be viewed in two different ways. Um, and the second thing then is, I think if you look at a child playing, for example, video games, I think there's a danger of saying that, oh, my child just hates failure. And then because that's, that's them put in a little box. But if you kind of go, okay, where do they love failure? And go, okay, well, they love computer games. How far, like to get a masterful of anything, you must fail more than 50% of the time. So go, well, hold on a second here. To get to Fortnite, to the level that he's at a Fortnite, he's lost how many bad against bad guys? He's been killed how many times? And he's kept on going. So in that situation, he loves failure and he's more resilient in that area. And I think it's, again, the degree to which you are inspired by doing something is the degree which you will be resilient against the failure. The degree to which you see less meaning in an area is the degree to which you'll be less resilient to failure. And you see that in school the whole times. You see the kids that see no meaning in maths, like I was this, no meaning in maths, no meaning in English, no meaning in poetry. They get a mad mark and like, what am I doing this for? This is heartbreaking. But put them in a dance, put them in art, put them in anything. They fail, they go, do you know what? It's alert automatically they take it as a learning opportunity. So I think it's a fascinating question and it's about us understanding the brain, the way the brain works and the That's human so behavior. Like that is it. actually so interesting. I hope I remember that when Fiona's a bit older because, um, yeah, God, 
it kind of it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Like it's it, it is, and if you gra- if we if we are grounded in that, and makes it for us like it's not even our children. Like when we when we do something that's meaningful for us, we're so much more able to be resilient to that problem. Like even you guys d- with with the business that you have here. I mean, how many times did you come up against obstacles for getting this podcast started? Like oh, I, we know we, j- we joke about this, but we feel like this podcast we've been it's it's nearly <laughs> the time that it took to make a baby. It's you, this it podcast has been has been in, isn't amazing? in the works. And if you guys didn't see any meaning in this, then you would have probably went, ah, this ain't for me. See you later. Mm-hmm. And I can guarantee you I find other areas of your life that you did go, nah, this isn't for me. Forget about it. But I, so I think if we ground our children in, and ourselves in the idea that you know, we are most resilient when we're doing something that we're inspired, why are the hell are we on this planet if not to do something that's meaningful to us? And in those areas, we are resilient. In the areas that we, f- if we see no meaning, we're not resilient. And that's okay. And if we can, but the, and the idea then what we talk about linking is there's some stuff that we don't find meaningful. Like for me, maybe making my bed at home, but it drives Jenny mad. So for me to have a relationship that is, I need to kind of go, okay, well, hold on a second here. So I now have to start, well, how is making my bed going to be meaningful to me? Well, it makes my wife happy more. She gives me more leeway. So then that action becomes more meaningful to me because I can see how it affects Jenny, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not easy and it takes time. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of time. Oh, yeah, I think it's that compromise is definitely just the the frame of of nearly everything in life. Um, But if people want to find out more about the Life Skills Academy, where can they get that information? Uh, the website uh, lifeskillsacademy.ie mm. and do you guys have an Instagram or yeah it's lifeskillsacademy1 and also steven at lsa.ie is an email address and gavin at lsa.ie is another email address if anyone has any questions at all well, listen thank you so much for coming in and joining us today I've learned lots yeah. thanks for having so us and um, I think it's an amazing course that you guys do and I think more children should be able to benefit from it so thank you thanks so very much, much thank you very much Thanks so much for listening to this episode of A Little Birdie Told Me. If you enjoyed it, we have so many other amazing episodes for you to go back and listen to wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, make sure to like us and hit subscribe. Don't forget to tune in again next time. Is your child restless this winter? If so, then try using a soothing Calpol vapor plug and nightlight, an electrical plug-in device that emits lavender and chamomile vapors to soothe and comfort babies and children helping to promote clear and easy breathing for up to eight hours. The nightlight emits a soft light to help comfort your child and guide you in the room so that you don't disturb your sleeping child. The Calpol Night Vapor Plug and Nightlight is suitable for children from three months. Calpol Vapor Plug and Nightlight is an electrical device and non-medicine. Always read the label.